Good afternoon. This is Bitcoin and and I am your host David Bennett. It is one o'clock in the afternoon central. It is the 10th of September 2018 and today I want to talk about this is episode five and I really want to go kind of examine um, game this will be a little bit more about video games and I kind of want to talk about the economies of those video games I'm not going to talk a, a, very much about very many but I do want to go into at least one one of the really old MMORPGs called Ultima Online and kind of um, go through what happened in the very early days of that game's release, you know, what happened to its economy almost, you know, almost immediately. Uh, but before that, let's get, let's get a feel for what's going on with, with a good old friend Bitcoin. Uh, today looks like it's a down day. Um, we've seen quite a bit of, quite a few of those lately. Um, and I'll just go over to coin market cap. And yeah, it, I wouldn't call it a bloodbath, but it ain't exactly a, it ain't exactly a stellar, <laughs> a stellar, you know, stellar day for for the cryptocurrencies in, in general. And like I said, I'm kind of a shitcoin minimalist, so I really only care about the price of of Bitcoin. I've got, you know, full disclosure, I do hold, a, you know, a bag of, you know, Litecoin and. I think somewhere or another I've got some uh, Ethereum Classic, you know, like Dust or something like that. And uh and of course my beloved bag of Doge. I I I have yes, I own Dogecoin. And Dogecoin has for the last few days been pumping. No one really knows why, but it it is. It's pumping and it's one of the only currencies that actually is doing anything at all today. And as of as of today, according to Coin Market Cap, Dogecoin is sitting at the 19th as the 19th largest currency by market capitalization, and it is up 12.64% as of the recording of this right uh, this podcast right now. Uh, Bitcoin is down uh, almost 2%. Ethereum is down 5%, and that's really got to hurt the Ethereum folks because. That price is hovering right around $190 right now. It's it's sub 200. It, we haven't seen that in, in a long time. Uh, it well, it is still it it's been a while. Um, you know, X Ripple is down seven percent. Bitcoin Cash or Bcash is down four. EOS is down 3.3, Stellar is down 4.1, Litecoin is down 3.5. Litecoin's coming in at $53.55 right now. And the sentiment on Twitter kind of reflects that, it seems to be reflecting that people are getting a, a little bit, oh rambunctious you know or not rambunctious i think people are getting getting a little tired you know you, you start the, the tree is shaking and you're seeing the weak-handed squirrels fall out of the tree because they're just unable to hold on and you know 
Hodel on, folks. That's the name of the game. So let's kind of just take a, a quick look through through my um, my Bitcoin Twitter feed. Uh, Dan Darkpill is saying if Bitcoin goes below three hundred and fifty dollars, I'm fucked. <laughs> He's replying to uh, uh, Isaac Libby. Uh, let's see what else is going on here. Oh, the Winklevoss, uh, the Winklevi brothers have successfully been able to cre uh, get a uh, stable coin passed. Um, basically, it's gonna it. Their stable coin is going to is going to happen. They've tried a couple of times for a Bitcoin ETF, and they kept getting denied. But it looks like the uh, it looks like the powers that be have granted their uh, the ability for the Winklevi to be able to release, you know, a, a quote unquote, a stable coin, you know, we shall see. Um, let's see here. <clears throat> the crypto dog says Bitcoin holds the same economic properties that have allowed actors to pump it to astronomical levels four or five times now. Can anyone provide a rational argument why this will not happen again? Good old dog. Yeah, he's, he's you know, o always good to see the old holders be able to uh, keep their head above water when, you know, prices have been tanking for so long. Because it's been, it's been a long nine months, you know. We've been in, we've been in this for a while. Um... Yeah, people are calling Jimmy and Roger. Apparently, Jimmy, <clears throat> Jimmy Song and Roger, Roger Verb, apparently in a fight on some crypto cruise. Um, Roger wants to debate, and Jimmy is just kind of not. Doesn't seem like he's really all that interested. Uh, same thing happened with Samson Mao. There's not a whole lot of people that are really all that interested, you know, in debating Roger about Bcash and Bitcoin any longer because it's. It's just it's just too old. So that uh, it's not as bad as it was earlier today. It seemed like people were getting a little grim. Maybe uh, maybe things have turned around for them. Let me just check a couple other prices. Oh, here's Smiley Gnome. The good news for ETH holders is ETH can drop five percent daily for the rest of the year, and one ETH will still equal one ETH. Oh my God. Oh. God. Okay. Okay. So enough of that. We know the price. We know it's dropping. Um, it's more of a seems to be more of a bloodbath for other currencies than than Bitcoin and obviously Doge. Again, God only knows why Doge is pumping, but it is. It's up twelve percent. Okay. So um, this Bitcoin and is basically Bitcoin and gaming. Uh, and what I wanted to gotta go through is before we had Bitcoin and its you know the blockchain technology that that drives it um, and really that blockchain technology is kinda only good for Bitcoin all the rest of the people that are screaming blockchain it to, it's, it has just become a buzzword now um, so you know when when I say when I'm talking about blockchain, I'm talking about the actual blockchain that is Bitcoin and and the way that we have trustless, permissionless, um, 
duplications of you know of a ledger that everybody can download and have and be able to check against each other to make sure that the network is actually you know uh, doing what the network should be doing and you know when we got this technology um, we um, obviously it was going to be applied to you know what's going on in, in real the real world real world economies real world problems um, and you know to th for this you know since we've gotten this I've, I've been really thankful because there now there there seems to be some hope for people that are in Turkey some hope for people that are in Venezuela Argentina and just pick a whole host of whatever Zimbabwe you know any there's so many countries that have just they have just dis either destroyed or allow their economies to be destroyed and Bitcoin helps in that that aspect but you know one of the things that we that I, I really don't hear anybody talking about at all are you know in-game virtual economies specifically of the flavor of uh, massively multiplayer online uh, role-playing games MMORPGs or just MMOs um, most of them you know when they started coming out and I guess I guess they really started coming out I think the I think that whole genre really started to get get its legs when people were moving away from dial-up modems to ubiquitous always on you know, internet connection like DSL cable uh, things of that nature um, and, and we've you know we are now where where we are where, you know where it's like everybody almost everybody in the West has some kind of always-on internet connection that's handling you know multiple devices a couple of phones a couple of tablets a couple of you know tower computers plus video streaming so you know before that it was really really difficult to have you know a, an MMO which is one of the reasons why you know when you did have dial-up MMOs were of the flavor of text only uh, they were also called MUDs multi-user dimension and while they did have different players you know like they could you know host hundreds of you know hundreds maybe even thousands of players at you know at a time because it was text only it was re it was you know the 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 amount of information load that needed to be sent and received from your, your local computer to be able to just talk with somebody else was not all that much but as the you know with the advent of the always the, there was the second advent along with the always on internet connection and that was you started getting the the uh, the first releases of 3D capable uh, video game or um, gaming cards you know your video cards for your computer and when that happened all of a sudden things got a little bit more um, a little bit more interesting there's a little bit you know uh, there was more data being sent over the wire and since we had you you know started to become ubiquitous with uh, always on internet connection and, and higher speeds it, it became easier to get into things like you know World of Warcraft, Ultima Online, EverQuest, Asheron's Call, you know, the, these types of things. But as these games were being created, you know, even back in the days of the multi-user dimensions, um, there were some aspects of, of in-game, you know, economies. 
like how much you could sell something for, how much you could buy something for, um, selling to either directly to other players or non-player characters, like you know vendors in a shop. That a non for those that don't know, a non-player character is a character in, that's in game that you can interact with. That's not being controlled by another player. It's being controlled by by a computer. And generally speaking, vendors and things like that in um, in these types of games are are NPCs. Well, one day, uh, a game comes along called Ultima Online, and it was the multiplayer version or the MMO version of a wildly popular series called Ultima, uh, the Ultima series, from a guy named uh, Richard Garriott. And when they saw sort of the writing on the wall that that your people were moving towards more and more ubiquitous always on internet connections with higher speed higher speed stuff and the advent of 3D gaming cards they kind of said well we need to go ahead and take Ultima and and build it online um, and figure that one out and one of the things that was a feature of this was supposedly going to be a very rich and deep in-game virtual economy um, and you know that the, here's the here's the thing, and it, it it applies kind of across the board to almost every MMO that I'm aware of. Um, one of the very first things that happened upon release of Ultima Online was somebody figured out how to duplicate stacks and stacks and stacks of of gold, which is the uh, in-game currency, gold coins, and quite you know as you can imagine with you know we see what happens with the effects of you know whole governments you know doing this type of thing the economy just became wrecked because people were holding millions and in some cases multiple billions of gold coins that they had just duplicated and it was you know, it's not exactly wasn't the easiest process to go through and duplicate. To get that much coin, you you kind of had to actually um, do a uh, a little. Uh, it was a it was a bug in the software that you know is, the game code is is very large, and nobody saw that this particular hack could be you know could be um, could be done. Um, it just people weren't. I mean, even the people were looking for stuff like this they weren't f looking at all the places that some weirdness can happen and when you've got you know multiple you know tens and thousands of tens of thousands of lines of computer code there is all manner of stuff that can go wonky so this economy was destroyed damn near up front before it really even got its legs underneath it to the point that nobody knew what anything cost um, if you didn't have if you didn't have sacks and sacks and sacks and sacks of gold, you really weren't going to be able to buy you know buy a whole lot. Um, and then you know even after that you know and, and things got things got better, but the, the, the you know the in game the in game economy of Ultima Online just after that it was just kind of crippled. It just never did any of the cool stuff that we all thought was, you know, was going to happen. And 
you know, the, and the same du, uh, duplication trick, it wasn't just done with gold. It was done with very, very high power um, uh, in-game objects that you could only get from killing like a major boss or, or something like that. So you really had to know your stuff to be able to get a couple of these items. And some of these items were, you know, some of these items were duplicated uh, quite heavily. So not only was the economy destroyed through duplication, the uh, the the game balancing was just terrible because you'd have a you know somebody somebody of low low level being able to kill you in a couple of swings um, because they were able to get a hold of one of these duplicate items because there were so many of them that they just started you know just just started popping up everywhere on vendors and their friends would just give them some or, or whatever and all all of a sudden you had serious imbalance imbalances in the game that could only be corrected when the developers would actually shut the game down or what they'd they'd go through try to find out what was going on figure out a fix and they shut the servers down roll it back 12 you know 12 hours or an hour or something like that however long it, it took them to, to uh, implement the new code you know, and then start the servers back up, and then all of a sudden it was fixed. But it didn't take long until somebody figured out how to duplicate something else. So it's this this duplication aspect inside these games that wreck not only the the you know any economy that you choose to you choose to pick. Right, uh, World of Warcraft. There's a gold dupe there. There was item you know item dupes there. Uh, Asheron's Call. It's you know. It got to the point. Uh, it got to a point in a couple of these games where the in-game currency just became abandoned because it was worthless. And not only was it worthless, it was completely undependable. Because you know, like the developers might be able to fix something, and a couple of days later, you're back in the toilet again. And after a while, you know, people just, you know, the human, the human, you know, the human spirit is such that. It will not take the human spirit long to figure out another, you know, another way to skin a particular cat. And sure enough, people started trading in, you know, either, you know, goods that, that hadn't been duplicated yet or, you know, in basically using other in-game items to be able to trade, trade it as a currency. The, and, and those in-game items were never meant by the game developers to ever be used as anything other than, you know, a, a, like a gem to shove in your sword to, to, you know, give it some kind of new power or something like that. Never thought it would be used as, as currency. And, of course, humans are, humans are tricky. Humans are real tricky about stuff like that. So, <clears throat> the... Um, these economies, they just, they're not stable. No matter how you design them, they're always, you know, they're easily gamed. And even when they're not easily gamed, they're still gameable. And there's one other aspect that, that has nothing at all to do with nefarious players figuring out how to, uh, you know, stomp all over a server by figuring a way to dupe gold or items or, or some other type of thing. And that is that most most of these in-game economies, um, you know, they're, even if somebody cannot figure out a way to dupe 
you know, duplicate stacks of gold or items or what or whatnot. The fact of the matter is, is that almost every game, when you kill a monster or even like a hog, somehow or another, you know, it, it drops gold or it drops some kind of in you know item or some kind of in-game currency. And when you have tens of thousands of people playing the same game and they're all killing shit what's going to happen if these things are all dropping in-game currency well you've got you've got inflation to stagflation and then in some cases you get into hyperinflation all without ever having to duplicate a single damn thing so even if the duplication uh, bug uh, had never been found and uh, nobody had ever been able to duplicate gold. You know, these economies, essentially these economies are doomed or have been. Now, I have heard uh, some new tricks that are being used by developers to be able to kind of correct this uh, using different things like, you know, gold sinks, um, trading fees, uh, possibly property taxes. If you own in-game uh, real estate or in-game, you know, items like a house or something like that, but you know, really, that's just kind of a stopgap maneuver, which brings me, which brings me back to Bitcoin. And one of the things that we know about the Bitcoin's blockchain is that it's slow, it's cumbersome, it's very, very, very horrendously inefficient, which is exactly the way we want it. Because if it was really, really efficient, then it would be really, really centralized and therefore really easily, you know, messed with, which is exactly why we like Bitcoin the way it is. However, we do recognize that it's a terrible, terrible payment platform, which is one of the reasons why Lightning Network is such a, such an exciting development, because it locks in to Bitcoin and is able to process, my, you know, at this point, since it can process a hundredth of a Satoshi as a payment, you, you've effectively you've added three more decimal places to how you know to the uh, eight decimal places that were already available for uh, hacking you know hacking up a Bitcoin. So now you're at eleven or twelve decimal places. I can't remember if it was eight or nine originally, but now you're at eleven or twelve decimal places on the Lightning Network. And you don't have to you don't have to settle. You can just keep your payment channels open on the Lightning Network. And at, at one you know at one point or another, if you finally do want to settle to the to the actual Bitcoin blockchain, and let's say that your you know your channel has like you know two or three Bitcoins in it, and you close that thing down, well, right now that's going to be about eighteen you know eighteen nineteen thousand dollars. It's not bad, and even if you have to pay it you know, like a, a a dollar fee, and fees are not all that high right now, guys, and they really haven't been since the end of February. And there was a couple of spikes here and there where they got like you know whatever, but I've had zero problem getting my stuff in for like somewhere between one and ten satoshis per byte. So if if we extend the Lightning Network, and I talked about this. Um, being able to use um, the the Lightning Network um, inside of the of the software that helps game developers build their games, i.e., 3D animation packages, uh, game engines, uh, the, these types of things. 
um, instead of buying full, you know, annualized seat licenses uh, for thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, what I had suggested was being able to use the Lightning Network riding on top of Bitcoin um, in <clears throat> inside these um, uh, software products so that you could just rent time on a minute over minute basis or like let's say hour over hour because these software companies their stopgap from having you know they know people don't want to pay a full year and especially like indie developers that aren't going to be you know uh, garage people you know a couple of guys a couple of girls you know uh, doing some something in their you know basement or or um, you know garage there you know to buy a full seat of the Houdini uh, 3D animation package is like, f I think it's $5,700. Let me see how, see if I can find out how much it costs. Hold on for a sec. Okay, I'm at the side effect software site and the Indie, which is uh, their license, in, what they call the Indie license is for studios that have a revenue under $100,000 a year. Uh, a seat uh, is um, like $269 for the year. Uh, a workstation license, uh, which you're over 100,000, is uh, for a, for the full blown um, Houdini is $4,500. For studios, you can crank that thing up to $7,000. Um, so some some of these guys are going to yeah, here's they have um, for the studio. Houdini says, yeah, that okay. Seven thousand dollars for the studio license is a perpetual license. That means you own it forever, but you only get you you don't get uh, annual upgrades. Um, you have to pay another four thousand dollars for the annual upgrade, which is going to you know include some kind of you know service along with that. But here they're just actually calling it what it is. Down here underneath Perpetual, you have annual rental. You're renting this thing for five grand a year. After that, you're done, man. I mean, your license is locked. It doesn't work anymore. They have a 90-day rental for uh, 2,600, a 60-day for 1,750, and a 30-day for 875 dollars. Well, you know. If we had the, the Lightning Network, um, and they could build that in, build a, like a Lightning, a full-blown Lightning node and Lightning wallet, like somehow or another, just plug uh, Jack Maller's Zap wallet um, into into their interface, and then every time that I crank this thing up, you know, I I can use it, and I'm only going to spend the amount of satoshis that I that I use per, you know, like if I uh, close it down for the day, I'm not going to pay any more that day. And l let's say, um, you know, that I just use it a couple hours every day. I only want to, I only want to pay for that couple of hours, you know, because I may have like, you know, maybe I'm just doing a game on the side or something like that. Um, but, you know, and that, that would be great. But what would, what would be, you know, also great is, when game developers, full-blown game developers, are actually putting a Lightning Wallet inside their virtual world, 
um, that you can access real-world money, also known as Bitcoin, um, inside a virtual world, and it's going it's going back and forth in the vir You know, it, it it's it's the same. This is a neat thing. The neatest thing about Bitcoin itself is that it doesn't have to be translated between me being outside in the real world, walking around and actually buying something with, you know, with uh, like a, a wallet on my phone, or if I'm in game and buying a virtual sword. I don't. There's no translation that goes on between the virtual world and the real world. Whereas, like in Second Life, um, and I I did hang around Second Life for a little while. I'm not all that proud of it, but you know, there it is. You know, they're in-game currency Lindens. Um, the only way that you would be able to cash that out is with uh, a currency exchange, which they ha they they have those exist. You can go get a you know if you make in-game Lindens doing whatever inside the game you can cash that out as USD or euros on on a couple of uh, these different exchanges but see I don't I don't have to do that with Bitcoin Bitcoin would function just as well inside of an in-game economy as it does in the real world so my question becomes this how come nobody's talking about I, I hear almost nothing from any of the contacts that I, you know, any of the contacts that I have in in uh, the gaming space, I don't hear about you know, like on my gaming list. Uh, there's not a whole lot of stuff. Um, I'm just not hearing anybody from any of these studios saying anything about building an economy on top of of uh, cryptocurrency. At this point, we won't even use the word Bitcoin. Just any cryptocurrency whatsoever. Um, I know they're thinking about it. I know some people are. I know that in my Bitcoin list on Twitter, um, some people have you know made these suggestions as well, but rarely. I mean, rarely. So again, you know that that's one of the reasons why I think the que it's a really good question to start asking ourselves is why aren't we talking about this more? I mean, virtual currencies or rather um, virtual economies in games. Are fraught with difficulty. Uh, we've seen them collapse again and again and again and again. And it doesn't matter whether or not it's a hacker, um, or or if it's just the way the economy runs all by itself. Because most of them, as far as I know, all of them, just because of the inflationary situation going on with every time you kill something, you get a bag of gold, and you got thousands of people playing that same game. You've got inflation, you've got stagflation, and then you've got hyperinflation. You've got three, you know, three severities of the same flavor of ice cream right there. And again, nobody's really talking about replay, you know, spinning up a version of one of these games or or a brand new game altogether that uses Bitcoin itself as the native currency. And don't try to, you know. Don't try to um, name it something else for your game or whatever. Or if you did, somehow or another, be able to have you know a, a, a direct marketplace inside your game, being able to trade your your game token. And maybe you would do that because Bitcoin doesn't fit with a medieval narrative. That makes sense. I mean, I I can see that. But hell, at that point, all you'd really need to do is just you know figure out a way 
where you are really trading Satoshis for goods, items, services, etc. But as far as you know in the game, they're called something flowery, you know, like more medieval-like or more space-like or whatever, right? But it's just because it's just a name. And all you're doing is you're riding, you're riding the Lightning Network, and the Lightning Network is able to settle into into a real the real world, well, because it functions in the real world. But you can settle into the Bitcoin blockchain and actually be able to extract money out of a game, and not just to extract money out of the game, but have a stable economy to operate off of without having to reinvent the wheel. So. That's one of the things that um, that I want to start doing is getting a hold of uh, some of the some of the game developers and ask them these questions. Like the first question is, have you considered using Bitcoin or the Lightning Network inside you know a game that you're creating to be able to have a stable economy? Because the stability of your economy is actually going to be tamed from the outside prices rather than just keeping it all internal which obviously this is going to cause other problems but having entire game economies collapse within a year of release I'm not sure how much worse it could get if I'm not sure how worse the problems of inject you know injecting the Bitcoin network with lightning on top of it inside of a game I'm, I'm not sure how much worse that could possibly be I every game economy has been destroyed multiple times you know one point or another somebody figured out a new hack and next thing you know the whole damn thing went south like a duck in winter right so I'm I'm going to start asking some of the people that I know in the industry to see especially if I can interview them about this particular question I'd like to have have their take on why they're not talking about it and if they are talking about it what are they saying so that's going to do it for today um, let's see let's check on let's check on good old Bitcoin price let's see coin market cap I probably shouldn't be using coin market cap but it's I've been using it forever so we'll just keep on going uh yeah it's the same yeah yeah uh cardano's down eight percent let's see where doge is at since yeah it, it's con it's, it's no longer 12 percent it's 11.88 percent up uh bitcoin seems to be eh, not recovering but it's uh not, its losses aren't as bad and we'll just check on the old my old bitcoin bitcoiner list here to see what the uh if there's anybody just about to to call the suicide hotline, uh, as yeah, okay, looks like uh, things are people aren't as as you know aren't as like sad. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you uh, want to get a hold of me on Twitter, I'm at b e n n d seven seven, and uh, I hope you drop by. Um, uh, show me some love, do good things to each other. If your friends need help, figure out a way to help them. And I will see you guys on the next episode of Bitcoin and.